Gumbo listeners, we are back with episode number 125. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today I have Kevin Campbell, the CEO of Cinity on. And for more than three decades, Kevin has been passionately driving innovation and growth at global Fortune 500 companies and startup organizations. Currently, he serves as the CEO of Cinity, a global leader in enterprise data management where he oversees all aspects of operations with a strong focus on driving the growth agenda. Kevin leads by example and pushes to inspire and empower those around him to deliver on Cinity's vision and purpose, which is helping customers ignite growth and reduce risk with data they can trust. In this episode, we discuss the importance of data in all businesses today, the current state of data management, and some steps business leaders can take to create more mature data management strategies. Now, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. OS Nexus makes the QuantaStore industry-leading software-defined storage, SDS, platform, which is used by some of the largest cloud service providers like IBM. Visit osnexus.com for more details, including a free trial. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing terrific. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. And it is definitely a pleasure to to have you on the Gumbo uh, because we we want to take a look at a different approach uh, as in regards to data and the importance of data quality. So why don't you just maybe give us a short 60-second introduction of yourself and Cinity, if you don't mind. Happy to. Um, I'm Kevin Campbell. I'm the CEO of Cinity. Uh, I've been the CEO here for about three years. And I think the best way to sum up Cinity is the name Cinity is a combination of synergy and infinity. The synergy between data and business gives you infinite possibilities. And so that's what we're about. We're about deliver helping businesses deliver on their promise and infinite possibilities with data. I like it. Infinite possibilities with data. Let's start off with a a softball question for you. And the elephant in the room is obviously the importance of data. So why don't you maybe give us your take on why data is important or more important than ever today in business? A couple things I, I... I point to um, when I'm talking to executives at, uh, at our clients and potential clients, I always make the first point that every problem is a data problem, right? If I've got an inventory problem, that's a data problem. If I've got a problem closing my books, that's a data problem. And so everything starts with data. And I think that people are realizing that, you know, Good quality data, well-governed data, data they can trust is the root of everything. So, you know, one of one of my team came up with the tagline that they use that says a good decision with bad data is still a bad decision. I agree with that. Awesome. Awesome. And so um, I, I just recorded a previous episode around data governance, and I know that's also something that you you believe in and you are well versed in as well but before we talk a little bit about data governance let's talk a little bit about the current state of just data management overall because there's a lot of digital transformation 
that's happening out in the marketplace right now, uh, especially in the finan- financial services side of the house with cryptocurrencies. And there's just a lot of things happening and going on right now. So why don't you give us the current state of data management and what does it look like from your perspective, Kevin? So I, a couple of things that I like to focus on for people. First of all, you know, digital transformation is important, right? Everybody wants to be digital. Everybody wants to be able to deliver, whether it's a digital supply chain or it, it's a, a digital people chain. They want to be able to do all of that. Well, digital transformation requires data transformation. If I don't have data as like the fundamental, the core, and so if I don't have good data, right, I can't make that digital transformation. And so what happens is data either becomes an enabler, right, or it becomes something that holds you back. There's an article I read recently that basically I thought put it well that says, okay, now we moved everything to the cloud and our data is still awful, Mm. right? right? Which, again, says to the same point, which is, I can move it to the cloud. I can, you know, I can make it automated. One of my old clients used to say, we can now do the wrong thing faster than we ever could before. And I think if you go back to it, saying data that's good quality, data that's trusted, C-suite executives are realizing more and more that that's fundamental to what you're trying to do. And the answer isn't to dump it all into a data lake and then hope somehow it all of a sudden is now governed, trusted, and high quality, right? What's happening is people who've invested all this time and money in these data lakes and data oceans have turned, they've turned into data swamps because the data, the fundamentals, the blocking and tackling, it comes back to, you know, it's that, it's the data right? It's the data and the accuracy that's important. And I think executives are tired of trying so many different things and still coming up with bad answers. And that we're, in some ways, we got to return to the blocking and tackling, which says, do I trust the data? Is it high quality? And do I govern it? Okay, got it. So sp- speaking of trust, there is something within the security industry around zero trust. So let, let's say we were having a conversation with a, a chief information security officer, and obviously things like ransomware is, is at the top of the list along with human error, right, as to how data becomes corrupted or infected, et cetera. What, what advice would you give a, a CISO today just around keeping that data safe and protect it in today's marketplace? Well, we obviously feel strongly that every company should have a data model, right? And as part of that data model, where they've really categorized all of their data, and they've said, what's the most important data that we have? And what what data is less important? That allows me then, if I know what data is most important, then I make sure that I'm going to protect that the most. And I'm going to you know, either air gap it, provide separate access to that. Let's be honest, we, in today's day and age, we can't basically secure all our data the same. So let's figure out what's the most important data. Let's basically get that and keep that the most secure and then work from there. Right. I, I really love that approach. And that's, that's something that I, I have conversations often around data classification, making sure that that 
sensitive information, especially if you are in a highly regulated industry like financial services or healthcare. Things like credit card numbers and social security numbers and all of those attributes definitely need to be classified appropriately and, and stored as well, just from a regulatory and compliance perspective as well. Another question I have for you is just around some, some of the mistakes that, that businesses make today when it comes to data. Have, have you seen like n- a number one, like the biggest mistake that you see companies make when it comes to data besides um, not tapping into their data lake or the data that they have there and using that for, for insights? I think that it's the assuming that the data is of good quality. Okay. And what do you mean right? by good quality? And that I can trust it. By good quality, I mean, you know, generally I've got data coming from multiple sources mm-hmm. and I've got to decide what source is the trusted source and how do I bring it together. So it, in a typical company like customer numbers, I may produce customer numbers in many parts of the company, okay. right? But who is the master? Who's in charge of the customer numbers, right? Okay. Who's in charge of making sure that those customer numbers are right? Same thing with part numbers and other valuable information that I have. And then what's the process by which I create them, I maintain them, right? And then I know that they are going to be at the right at the right level. They're going to be accurate mm-hmm. for what they have. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. And just also kind of branching out a little bit around uh, some of the gaps that you're seeing around just knowing the value of that data and being able to leverage that data effectively. What recommendations would you give to, let's say, a gumbo listener, right? And they are starting a data classification, data governance program, and they are pretty new. Like what recommendation would you give them if they're starting kind of from the beginning? So, you know, I always say to the point that I made earlier about the data model, right? Which is, do I know all the data that I have? And then have I, have I gone through a process of trying to classify that data relative to its importance and relative to its sources and uses? Because that is important to be able to build on from that foundation. And, you know, I tell people all the time, decide what the most important master data is and decide what data is less important, which seems like, hey, shouldn't all the data be important? Yes, it's all important, but I can't fix it all at once. So let me start and say, how do I get the core, the basics? What are the 30? I I, I tell people to start, pick 30, pick 100 data elements. What are the ones I'm going to show, know that are always going to be right and then build on it from there? That totally makes sense. And we, you also mentioned, or maybe the both of us mentioned digital transformation a little bit earlier. And I always like to, to get everyone's definition of digital transformation because it's almost like asking someone what's the cloud or what is cloud computing? You'll get a thousand different answers. So what, what's your definition of digital transformation? And in addition to that, how do you view the data protection industry from that lens of digital transformation in 2021? So from a digital transformation perspective, right, I think it's about the how do I eliminate 
the use of paper and handoffs in the process, right? What I'm trying to do is get the most efficient end-to-end -end process. And I ideally, the fastest process has zero handoffs and is all digital because then there's no chance for mistakes or loss or all the other things that happen along the way. So if I have an end-to-end -end process that has no handoffs, that is all digitized, right? Then I can do it quick. And I can continue to focus on, you know, how do I integrate that together? And general integration is the next big piece of it because I've usually got islands of, uh, we used to call them islands of automation back in the day, which, you know, now are all getting tied together with that digital supply chain so that I can look and say, you know, where is it? For whatever I'm looking for, whether it's customer data, it's inventory data, and how do I look at that from an end-to-end -end perspective? So once I've got that, right, and I've got focused on that, that digital transformation, which is really taking my processes and trying to make them all digitized, right, so that and then it can all be represented in the system and it can all be integrated and tied together. But in order to do that, I have to be able to make sure that when I've got those connections, right, that the data is right that's in those connections. Otherwise, I just pass the wrong thing faster back and forth, right? Whether I'm using today, you know, we all live in the world of the, the disrupted supply chain, thanks to, thanks to COVID and all the other fall things. Well, that's all about data, right? I mean, right now, most of us want to know where's that Christmas present we ordered and will it get here in enough time? That's, that's a huge, you know, digital end-to-end -end supply chain digitization question. And most of us don't think about the data behind an everyday thing like ordering a Christmas present. Uh, right. So think Amazon and, and there is a supply chain issue where shipping containers are sitting out uh, on on boats, not being able to uh, to be stored appropriately, and the inventory actually uh, being able to make it to the right store owner, et cetera. So there's a huge problem there. Um, but data is is really really important today. And let's speak from a merger and acquisition, right? So 2022 is definitely going to be a really hot year for some. Uh, M&A activity. What is the first thing that you would give or information or advice that you would give to maybe a CIO that's embarking on an M&A uh, around their data? So what are some of the things you would, you would tell them? Great question. 40% uh, of what we do at Cindy is related to M&A, which most people are surprised at, right? Because it's all, though, what makes M&A work is bringing the data together and integrating the data and tying it together. So, you know, when people look at doing a merger and acquisition, they think about customer lists or product lists, right, as being the, you know, how am I going to make this or people lists? How am I going to make this work? It's all data. And when you, when you go into what I try to tell people is when you go into an M&A or a divestiture, you should be looking at the data you're either sending or receiving, right? Just like it was one of the most, because it is the most critical asset that you're selling or buying in that process. 
So think about it like an asset, like the buildings you're going to buy or, you know, the factories you're going to buy or the product, uh, you know, that you're going to buy, the formulas, the whatever you're going to buy. Those are all critical assets you're buying. Data is another asset. So ask what the, the asset is and what the status of the data is, because many times on the side, whenever we do a merger or an acquisition or a divestiture, there's a business case doing it and you know what the biggest obstacle to getting to that business case is usually integrating the data and tying the data together so if that's true the biggest obstacle which study after study proves is getting the data integrated you know what why do, why when i'm doing due diligence up front shouldn't i ask the questions about how good is the data for the people that i'm working with yeah it, it does make sense um how good is that data and there, there's a myriad of disconnected siloed systems because you have, you know, ERP systems, CRM systems, just email systems, right? And then you, everyone's moving data to the cloud as well. So you have data in all of these different locations. I also know that um, Synity also has, I guess, cloud migration uh, capabilities as well. Is there one thing that or one question that one of your customers ask you when it comes to a cloud migration, something that maybe Gumbo listeners don't always hear about from a cloud perspective and migrating data, uh, let's say from an on-premises to, to a cloud environment. I think, so usually what we, what we talk about is, I, I ask them first of all, are you trying to just move the workload or do you want to do something different with the workload, right? Because I think that's one of the biggest misnomers of problems right now is that people say they want to get to the cloud. Well, what they're trying to do is just move the workload, the work that gets done to the cloud. Well, the reality is then they get it in the cloud and they've got this new capability, but it's like having a Porsche with an old engine, right? If the data, if, if I didn't move and clean up the data, then I still got the same problems. So if step one, I want to just move the workload, okay, I can do that. But then I can ask the question of what am I going to do to clean up that data and make sure that I can then use that data in a way that's different. Because the reason I go to the cloud is not to be in the cloud. Yes, I'll get the 30% savings you know, from being able to do it or 20% savings, whatever it is. But then quickly afterwards, I'm going to say, okay, what new capability do I have? Right, because the cost savings, you know, management books, we all book right away. And then we say, okay, now what's the business impact? What else can I do with it? And then it's going to come back to, again, what's the quality of the data and how that's going to work. Right. And so you, you deal with a lot of ERP systems, right? And that's not something that, that I run across often. So right now, I, I look at a lot of uh, customer relationship management, CRM systems, and Salesforce is the number one CRM platform, and then you have Microsoft Dynamics. So just from an ERP perspective, in migrating data from one SAP system to another SAP system, is there one gotcha or, or one thing that needs to be done to the data before the data is moved, or is that something your, your platform automatically does for you? Well, our, our platform helps you do the process, right? But okay. you still got to go work through what we call the mapping process, mm, okay. right? So we, we tout, and it, because we've done it, we've gone from 160 different 
ERP systems, wow. you know, to about 80 different ERP systems on the other side. So the from the source and target can go different. Today, the majority of those systems go from something else, you know, the graveyard of ERP systems mm-hmm. to, you know, either Dynamics, SAP or Oracle. Okay. Right. And there's an in four and a unit four and there's some other ones there, but there's about 10 that usually are there. And the key exercise is mapping what data is going to go where, and then when there's gaps, how are you going to create that data? So the big get gotcha is IT likes to say, we'll take care of the data. Well, you know what they're going to take care of? They're going to take care of loading it for you. Mm, okay. Gonna, if you're the business user, you got to say, wait a minute, how are you going to know what data goes where? How am I going to map to what fields? And then if it doesn't exist in the new system, how am I going to create it to get it? Right. It doesn't exist in the old system. How are we going to create it to put it in the new system? And that data construction is probably the single thing that's usually left out the most Mm. from different systems. Okay, got it. Got it. So let's let's roll into maybe a a few predictions for 2022. We are uh, hot and heavy on on the new year. So what are you seeing in, in Kevin Campbell's crystal ball? just from a, a data management, data quality perspective that you would like to share with the listeners? We did a, a study with, um, with HFS, one of the analysts recently, and looked at 2000, uh, Russell 2000, Fortune 2000 kind of executives. And the surprising statistic is, you know, 89% of them, 89% said high quality data is their most valuable asset. But to come back and say now in the C-suite, 89% of people say it's the most important asset they have for high quality data, right? And same number, a little bit, maybe 90% of them said data is critical to their company's success. And then add to that, that they believe that executive proficiency around data is one of the most critical skills they can have. And it's, that never shows up. You've been doing this for quite a while. You know, in the list of what do I need for an executive, great sales, right, ability to do M&A, usually being able to manage data and understand data is not in the top five or, let's be honest, even the top ten. And I think now it's becoming in the top five of critical skills, being able to talk, to speak data, to talk about it, to understand it to understand my point before that every day problem is a data problem. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And, you know, I mentor a lot of a lot of college students and I typically find out that they are not ready nor prepared for two years from now. So let's say if that if they're if they are ma- majoring in computer science, they may not have a LinkedIn profile, nor do they know exactly what they want to do. Uh, because you mentioned also as well some of the top uh, careers or some of the top pieces of talent like cybersecurity or coding and scripting languages, et cetera, because the landscape is just so huge. What piece of advice would you give to, let's say, maybe a college student that's listening to the gumbo and they don't know exactly what they want to do, but they know that they want to do something technology specific? What advice would you give them um, just 
on how to get into the market and maybe what to do? So, you know, I, I tell my own kids, I've got five college age kids, right? And I always tell them that data is something you got to always ask yourself what data you're making the decision on. And, you know, if it comes to the technology side, you know, I've got a, a good friend of mine who a couple of years ago went and, and took a job as a CEO of a machine learning company. He came back to me and he said, Kevin, he said six months later, he said, Kevin, the, the only thing that makes a difference is the data. Because, you know, he said, we can create all the great algorithms in the world. We can create the fanciest technology in the world. But if the data is bad, it doesn't work. So the core skill, it's not as sexy. It's not as exciting. But the core skill is how do I understand data? How do I get a data model? How do I figure out how to get that data of high quality? And then how do I govern it on an ongoing basis? So ask yourself, whatever hot technology you're looking at, right? What's the underlying data for it? And do you understand that? And you understand the strengths and weaknesses relative to the data? You know, I think that's a great piece of advice. And it, it always comes down to the data. And 10 years ago, we were really specific on infrastructure and architecture. Um, so we were, we were looking at things like firewalls and switches and routers and things like that. But now it's just application specific. And how can you know, we plug, plug in with an API uh, to extract information from a specific system? So I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, just one final closing question for you, um, Kevin, and, and you, you do have five college-age students. Um, what if you could travel back in time to the age of 16? What would you tell your 16-year-old self today that maybe you didn't know back then? Oh, there's, there's lots. There's lots. But if I had to pick on <laughs> one or two things again, uh, because of what I've learned and become such a data zealot, right? I'd say, you know, it's all about the data, stupid, okay. right? So think about that and understand that, understand what makes good data and how that contributes. Ask yourself, look at 100 problems and say, how does data relate to what those problems are? Because I think that would be important, right? And the second the second thing that's related to that is don't get swayed by the trends in technology, what's hot today, what's hot, whether it's RPA or AI or it's all this stuff. It goes back to the blocking and tackling. Yeah, I can add that stuff on top, and that's great things that we can use to take advantage and to exploit the good work we've done. But don't forget the fundamentals, and the fundamentals all come back to data, right? So ignore all that. Don't go after the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the buzz, the excitement. Yeah. Go for the fundamentals and all the rest of that stuff is all possible. Got it. I, I love that advice. And I said that was the last question, but I do have one more. Uh, what are you reading right now? And maybe if there was a book recommendation uh, from you, what, what would that, that book recommendation be? I got two that I'm reading right now, right? One is I, I'm because uh, I think it's fascinating. It's a friend of mine wrote it, which is the story of uh, of Tata, which is a very interesting company, 
TCS? Um, yeah, TCS. Okay. Uh, it, it's TCS is the consulting piece. This okay. is the story of Raymond Tata and, and the Tata family and the whole stuff. Very interesting to see how a company, you know, over many generations has survived. And it's a, it's a fascinating story. And the second one uh, that my partner gave me when I was, you know, bemoaning about change one day, she said, hey, I was in a merger and they gave me this book. It's called Change is Good. You go first. Um, and I, there's so much about business, about work and about life that's all captured in that, you know, it's all about change, right? We don't get from where we were to where we are or where we want to be without willingness to do change. And so I think ability to, to build a personality, character, resilience, all to be able to embrace change is this is super exciting and then this book just has a unique perspective on it awesome i will definitely take a look at both of those books because i have a ton of books it's like i collect them but i i can't read them all so <laughs> i i really appreciate uh you taking time out to just g give us a lay of the land around data management uh, data quality, the importance of having good, clean data, data hygiene that is of the utmost importance. So thank you so much, Kevin, for appearing on Data Protection Gumbo. And one more thing, is there maybe a social uh, media handle or something other than that that you would like to share? Uh, Synity.com, you can always get us on. I'm on LinkedIn uh, there and then the, all all those places that uh, that you can get me. But hit me up on LinkedIn anytime. As you know, I'm an active poster. There's lots of good content that we're pushing out on Synity all the time. All right. Well, awesome. So uh, thank you so much, Kevin. And we'll definitely have you on again in the future. So thanks for being a guest on Data Protection Gumbo. Thanks for having me and look forward to being on again. And uh, happy holidays to everybody. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.